take a little bit more time. Stretch it out a little bit. Really chew on it. My God! Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum podcast. I'm your lovely host, <laughs> Ryan, from uh, the Moon is Dead World, Todd Nat, and I am joined with my fabulous friend and co-host, Chris Martin. How's it going? I love how you say, how's it going, like someone's going to respond to you. They're, they're listening at home and they're, they're like thinking, like, I hope he asks how I'm doing today. Because oh. I, I, I'm really itching to Fine. tell him. I'm, I'm, doing I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Let's take a break for our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> we have none. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Um, today we are tackling a uh, an, an older f- uh, film that I had never seen before and uh, Martin had and he kind of wanted to do it today because it's topical. It's been in the news recently uh, because a remake is soon to become, well, not really a remake, but a live action westernization of the film. And uh, of course, I know all of you who follow anime so often know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Formidable Alchemist. (laughs) Yes, because that would really work. I mean, all those shonen uh, anime. That would go over like... Yeah, like total shit. Yeah, and, and and like whenever you try to adapt a shonen anime with all like the create with like crazy action scenes, it just doesn't go very well. There, it's difficult to do. No, I, think I, about I our, the Dragon Ball. Well, they they, they totally <laughs> fucked that. Yeah, they, from, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen it because I just I don't know if I can put myself through it. But yeah, it's probably gonna be. Painful. But you can you can tell like they. It was made on a certain. It was made on a certain budget. They didn't really care what you know what was going to happen. They knew, just out of curiosity alone, they'd make that budget. You know, yeah. People are like, "Oh, I'll check it out." At this, yeah. it's part, of my, part of my past. Yeah. But we're talking about Ghost in the Shell. The uh, uh, pretty much it's a cult classic now. Really has become like something a really big sensation. Well, it did. It was a huge sensation. I remember back when I was in school, people were like, not even people that were solely interested in anime, but other people. Are you talking about like high school? Yeah, in high school. Who the hell is talking about it? I, I remember a bunch of people. I don't remember about anybody it. talking. About really? It. No. I don't know. I I do, and I remember. Um, I can't. Well, I don't remember who it was, but someone had a Ghost in the Shell shirt. I, I Kent? absolutely remember it. No, I don't think it was Kent, but <laughs> yeah, I could... but I absolutely remember someone having the Ghost in the Shell's shirt, um, and I think that's where I first found out about it because I was like, "What the hell is Ghost in the Shell? What, is that like a horror movie? Because why haven't I seen it yet?" <laughs> it has Ghost in the title, which has a total different persona. Yeah, like a, a meaning, totally different film. meaning. Yep, um, but. So, we wanted to do this because, obviously, Ghost in the Shell has been in the news of late because of that Western remake, and because of Scarlett Johansson playing the major. Motoko Kusanagi. You did that pretty well. I... Well-versed in <laughs> Japanese names. Well, yeah, I can't speak it, but it's like when it comes to that, it's yeah, like you're I'm very from, good at from, it. from the island itself. <laughs> Um, All you gotta know is that their vowels are long. <laughs> I'm still pissed off when I bought the standalone complex to, uh, two on the which is the DVD. Uh, which is the anime series T- of Ghost in yeah, the Shell TV series. Uh, when I got the second season, second gig, uh, 
and I bought it at Best Buy, and I bought it, and the thing about those Bandai Legends cases are they're fucking chintzy and cheap Bandai doesn't shit. put a lot of effort no, into No, no, it's total shit. And I bought it, and the one, in the fucking uh, clips for it that hold the, when you swing the DVDs back and forth, you know, to flip through, because it's like a six-disc collection. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was broken. I spent like $40 on it. It's like, oh, you gotta be shitting me. There's like, out of all those anime legends collections that Bandai did release, there was probably only like two of them that they kind of built sturdy. Bebop had like was built really sturdy mm-hmm. and like had really nice, easy to push down in the middle to like to get the disc out. Those standalone complex, not just second gig, but the first season too. Those middle buttons to push down to get your disc out were so hard. In there. They're so hard and so like unwieldy. Mm-hmm. I like half the reason why I don't watch that as much as I should is because I'm afraid I'm gonna break the DVD. You know, and you're either out. gonna break the DVD or the tab, or yeah. you might cut yourself trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to yeah. get it out. It's like no, I, tabs of death. I, I'm literally not kidding. Those, in there. those anim- and that's one of the and which sucks is because a lot of the anime I like has been released by Bandai mm-hmm. of America, which rest in peace is no more because of their idiot, their idiocy, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and how they release their titles because hey, you know. Americans are gonna buy the original Gundam for sixty dollars for five episodes. What? 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 You know? No, they're not. This isn't Japan. Yeah, your marketing tactics are awful. But anywho, marketing tactics in Japan in general are awful. Well, two episodes a disc. People are still please buy it for eighty. Yeah, yeah. yeah please buy this two episode, not even sixty minute disc. Yeah, but only people. Yeah, but they do it. But um. Anywho, yeah, but they're so like chintzy and cheap. It's like it's awful, and it's one one of the main reasons why I like hate buying it too, because it'd be overpriced. The packaging would suck, and like the features on it would be bare minimum. Yeah, and you compare that to like Discotech when they release like Lupin stuff. The cases are beautiful. The artwork's great. There's a shit ton of extra. There's like commentary by fans. There's like detail and liner notes for each episode. So Discotech. You're getting a thumbs up support from us <laughs> on this, and when we finally start uh, reviewing some like Lupin, yeah, which is released by Discotech, yep, they're going to be getting a big thumbs up coming their way. There you go. I don't need, think they need our help, but so, um, like I said, I had never seen Ghost in the Shell before, although I had seen and read other parts. Like, so I've seen mm-hmm. uh, some of Standalone Complex, and which which is funny because. Um, You've seen some, because it used to be on Adult Swim, too. Right, yeah. Which uh, was, you know, really cool, that standalone complex season one and two both aired on Adult Swim. Yep. But you said you read the manga. Yep. I have not. I've seen this movie. I've seen the remake of it in 2.0. I've seen the sequel to it, uh, Innocence. I've seen standalone complex in the second season. And then there was Solid State Society, which was the movie that followed after that. Um, the only thing I really haven't watched that's come out is the new uh, series, The Rise. Right. Because I haven't really had time, and I know it's been coming to Netflix, but I just haven't really had the time to, like, kind of check in. That, that and it's kind of, like, you know, like, okay, do I really want, you Is know, it done by the same people who did Standalone Complex? Yeah, it's, it's product. I think it's done by Production IG. IG I, I don't know if it's the same, uh, yeah. same exact people, but it's kind of like, even if it is, it's kind of like, because it's a prequel to, uh, to it, it's kind of like, well... Are you even in, interested in it? Really? Yeah, it's like, because yeah. I love, you know, standalone complex so much, it's kind of like, leave well enough alone. Right. right. It's 15 years, like, not 15 years, but like 10 years after the fact, you don't have to go back to, you know. And they've been doing that more and more with pretty much everything. Oh, yeah. So, but, um, 
Yeah, so I, I, I think we'll we'll get into this a little bit more uh, after the quick beer break. But um, yeah, so we had, I had never seen it, but I had read the manga. Uh, you had seen it before, and um, both of us were are, are pretty well versed in anime anyway. That we you know we watch well at least I do now. I watch quite a bit of it. You used to haven't really been into it as of late. Start. I started to try to get, get back, back into, into it. it. It's more like I'll rewatch things, and, I, and I've seen yeah. a shit ton of stuff. Um, I'll rewatch things I own and I've seen before because it's like, oh, like I want, I want to go back there. I want to yeah. revisit. Um, but, but new stuff, new stuff. I really, I just don't have that much of an interest in because, well, they're constantly just pumping it out. They're constantly yeah. pumping out new stuff. You've got every season, uh, every like literal season, fall, winter, summer, spring. You got all new things that are like, coming out. You got like twelve different shows. Like, okay, I'll check this one. Yeah. This one. It's like so much, and not only that. There's like a certain like I got in a rut of like certain shows that I picked to kind of watch, and it was like right. just such a streak, <laughs> such a streak of shit. It's like I was just by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm, I like, I, like I like I just can't do it anymore. And so yeah, and my my <laughs> point being that since like we watched quite a bit of it, um, it was nice to kind of go back to like an older, uh, an older style of anime. Uh, and and even Ghost in the Shell, I mean, when you talk about old, it's only twenty one years old yeah. now. So it's not like it's not. We're not talking like but ancient. Yeah, well, but yeah, at the same time, I think in, in terms of like the especially like the anime fandom. Yeah. Uh, anything like older than four years is fucking old. Because you know? like then they're like, oh, the animation is shit. Which and, I can't. Uh, I can't. You know like, that. That literally drives me insane. When people are just commenting nonstop, yeah, like, incessantly about yeah, like, stupid. Like, Artwork like issues. Nit- nitpicking, like, yeah. like when I hear, like, and this is kind of getting off topic, but one thing that, like, annoys me, like, and part of the reason why, like, when it comes to, like, anime fandom, now that I'm, like, that I'm older, but even, like, when I was younger, it still annoyed me, because also being, like, a film buff, kind of, you know, being able to, like, well, I'm not going to not watch a film because it's in black and white. Right. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, one of the things that would always annoy me, like, while well, watch, you know, reading people talk about certain animes and it's like certain things I like too like for instance like you hear somebody like like a newer younger fan like of anime they hear like like oh this new Lupin's out should I check it and it's like yeah check it but also check this one like oh I'm like I don't want to check that one it's like why it's like oh the animation's too old it's like but it was made yeah it's old because it's made in 1971 but if or it's 1973, the original, like, Green Jacket and Lupin. But right. like, if you watch it, the detail in it is... Yeah, yeah astounding. good. ...is, you know, astounding. It's really good. It's like, well, no, it just looks too old. And it's like... What? Yeah. I, I like to, a shot. You know, at least get... You know, like, yeah, I can see it, like, kind of, like, certain things. Especially with animation, because in, like, older stuff, you know, how they kind of recycle cells. Yeah, like, yeah. Which makes... You know, it makes sense, but at the same time, it's like, you'll get used to it really quick. It's not yeah. like you're going to be sitting there, like, counting, like, oh, yeah, no. They, uh, they reused that cell. Yeah, yeah, they, used, they, they did that again. And the only time I've really ever done that is, like, watching Gundam Seed, because it was, like, so... Yeah. And that was a newer anime. And I, yeah, I mean, when, I mean you're going to get that whether it's old or new. I mean, they still do that as a tactic in new anime. Yeah, no, so it, reuse. It, yeah. Totally. Just, just to, or, or using static shots mm-hmm. with voiceover to save money, to, to save time on animation. So you get that whenever. So that really isn't even a, a complaint because you're going to, you're going to get it no matter if it's an old anime or if it's a new anime, it doesn't yeah. matter. So, but yeah, that's like one thing that's like always annoyed me. It's yeah. like, are you going to tell me like, like, like 
Like, oh, I can't watch that anime because it's too old. The animation's too old. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can understand, like, it may not be, like, as up to production-wise as today. Obviously. But you're going to sit here and tell me, like, if I told you to watch Citizen Kane, you're going to be like, can't do it. Why? Well, it's in black and white. It's like, have you you actually watched the film and what goes on, how the cinematography, like, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, It's you know, you're you're totally. Yeah. And And not only that, too, like, for me... Hand, like, as you were saying, like how like how nice the cell, like the hand drawn cells in this is, I love that. Yeah. And to me, like that's one of the most damning things I hate about the newer the stuff because it's all you know CGI. A lot and, of it is, and yeah. I understand why it's a lot quicker than Time having it. Yeah, and, and having to draw and cost and having to draw you know every cell by hand. I I totally understand that. And I get what get it. But for me, like watching. An anime that's been, you know, hand drawn, especially like by a time in the late nineties and mid nineties, like this film, when uh, you're just starting to see like CGI kind of get incorporated in the switch, it's so well done yeah. that you know it makes a big difference. It's like for me, like for me, like Turn A Gundam's the last Gundam to be completely hand drawn. Looks beautiful. Looks amazing. The first next Gundam after that, see, it's the first one to be totally on computers, and it looks like shit. Yeah. Might have looked better back, you know, in 2004 when it first came out because, hey, it's, you know, the new thing. But as time has gone on, it's, you know, it has not aged well at all. Yeah. And, I mean, you, yeah, you're going to get that with any type of change in technology and yeah. stuff. But it, I think, me, you know, some of it is nostalgia where we're just kind of, like, thinking back on, like, oh, yeah, this is what we used to watch. And this in- well, I mean, not only that, but I think, like, again, like, with that comparison, at least... Turn A was made at the, you know, the very end of, like, kind of hand-drawn yeah. cells. So it's it's going to look timeless because it's, like, at the peak of its, like, that craft. Yep. And then when something new, like Seed, it's, you know, going to look like crap, you it's know. just starting. There's the, the beginning of them figuring yeah. out how to do it. You can make the equivalent with, like, video games. Yeah. Like, the Super Nintendo games are going to look timeless because they that 16-bit look is just, you know, looks timeless. Like, right. It fits. Whereas... PlayStation and N64 back in the day, like, oh, that's awesome, it's yeah. in 3D and all that, now you look at it, it's like, that is shit. Yeah, I remember when my dad used to come in, and he was, I, I can't even remember, I think it was like, uh, Jack and Dak, Jack and Jack, Daxter, Daxter yeah, like that, that came out for the PS2. That came out, and he was like, wow, this looks great, this looks, like, so real, and I was like, I know, I know, yeah. and then you look back on it, it's like, wow, that looks pixelated as shit. It's yeah, like, it looks like, yeah. Yeah, you can definitely, you know, it doesn't look anything like now, but, um, so I think that's where we're at. I mean, Ghost in the Shell uh, is definitely one of it. You can definitely tell its age, but at the same time, for a lot of fans of like anime at that time, and especially those who grew up with it at that time, it's kind of like a nice trip back to see it in that style. To see that style played out because yeah. like right now you're not seeing it um in very many things except for maybe some of the throwback anime that's been out right now like um gino gundam gino reconquista is trying to throw back to that style which is it's not a poor, good poor tomino yeah it's not a good anime uh by any stretch of the imagination i haven't, haven't but, gotten myself to watch it yeah. because it and i'm the one of the biggest gundam fans around Age burned me out so bad. Yeah. That is, one, that is and, one of the shows that contributed to me not keeping up with like newer anime. Because by the t- I still have still one, one episode, episode of Age one. left to finish, and I refuse to watch that last episode because I just and, I just can't do and it. And Gino Reconquist is not going to get you back into it. So I mean, there's just no point in like continuing that one because 
There's no there's, the plot. Is I told you I watched like I watched like two I watched two episodes of yeah. it and I had no idea what yeah, was going yeah. on because yeah. it's like that's the entire that, show. Because I mean I the Tomino Gundams are the, like my favorite ones too. Yeah. Because I love the original. Zeta's my favorite. Victory, I love, even though a lot of people don't. And, yeah. you know, Double Zeta's crap, but I mean, whatever. But, but but I watched, like, the first few episodes, like, three episodes, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. There's, like, 30 characters. Of, that's another problem, too, with, like, a lot like of new animes. It's like, you have, like, 30 characters. They each have a trope. You can memorize the trope, but it's yeah. like, who is this? What's your name? Yeah. I don't fucking know. Yeah. And that doesn't help with Tomino because he always gives his characters like ridiculous names, like Weehee! Call him Bob or Sasuke, yeah. you know, Sasuke or something. You know? One of the common names of like <laughs> anime characters instead of like going with the. He's got, they, they always got to be unique, like Amaro, Camille, yeah, Judo. It's like just either go like hard English, like. You know, how in anime, like, they'll, like, nice job, good job, you know, like, for no reason. It's like, could have said that in Japanese. You didn't have to yeah, throw it in English there, but I either go the hard English route or go the, like, hard, like, his name is, you know, Hayabushi. It's like, I can remember that. Yeah, I know. We'll return to um, Ghost in the Shell in just a second, but we're going to take a break to talk about our uh, weekly beer, alcohol, consumption, and, uh, consumption, <laughs> and what we're drinking right now. So um, recently, I picked up the Saranac. Uh, it's like their, I guess it's their spring. No, no it's not. No, it's actually it's their summer. It, it it's is the summer. summer. It's their summer. Come on, pack. come on, Ryan. I know they've been out since the middle of March. Yeah, that's when right. Because when you think summer, especially in upstate New York, when we're still possibly getting snow, and you got snow one day, and then. Sun the next day, then rain the next, and yeah, tornado. The, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, like the, um, the weather just is like, you know, what haven't we had lately? Well, that's how it's been Let's right throw now. Throw it their way. Last week it was like seventy almost, and sunny mm-hmm. and beautiful. Then it got cold, yeah, and rainy. We got you know, just a slightly little bit colder. Our rain returned to snow right now. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I can't <laughs> believe that it hasn't snowed because it is pretty chilly out there today. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I guess it is their summer pack because there's a summer pills in it. Um, they've also so they've got summer pills, um, which is really good. I, I like it a lot. I think it's very drinkable. I I like it more than some of the other styles of summer ales, um, namely Sam's. Well, I think it also what also helps that too is uh, the fact that it's a pilsner instead of a weed ale. Right. Yeah. So Sam Adams also they make a summer ale, and it's never been my favorite. I, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, basically, theirs is oh, a wheat well, ale with like say, we'll, lemon and and I was say, we'll grains go, of paradise. Go into that little tangent in a minute when I talk about it. Because well, we can talk about it now because it okay. directly ties into like the summer pills. Because I was comparing mm. the two. You know, the summer pills is very drinkable. It's very light. It's pilsner. Um, whereas Sam Adams, who theirs is a wheat ale, it's their wheat ale is like way too heavy on the wheat for to well, be a very drinkable summer beer. And I just bought a twelve pack of Sam Summer just a couple of days ago because it was nice out, and I've been just heavily relying on the Jenny Cream ale for the past like three months almost. Yeah, um, just because it's a very reliable beer for me. Mm-hmm. It's just nice and easy. But I wanted to mix it up because it was so nice out. I wanted like, something summery. And the place I went to didn't have the Saranac Summer Pills in the 12-pack. So I just I wasn't going to go anywhere else. I just got back, done from work. So I was 
So I got uh, Sam's somewhere instead. I compromised. Like, okay, fine. We got to not the biggest fan, but, you know, we'll see. And I got it in cans, too. Yeah. My God, was this batch awful. The first can I had, I almost, like, if I was that big of a concerned customer, because I'm way too easy on, like, you know, settling for shit when you shouldn't have to, I, I wish you could, like, see me drink it. It tasted like the beer was totally skunky. It, like, that had expired years ago, and it had it, because it was it's still good for, like, a couple more. Well, it's got the new, it's got the new yeah. uh, can tops on them, too, so it definitely wasn't an yeah. old one. So, and I made sure, like, because Sam's is nice, like a lot of craft beers, they slap on the side clearly when that beer's good till. But it was skunky, it tasted like, it. you know what it tasted like? It tasted like a bud that, if you drink a bud, halfway Fell asleep, yeah. woke up the next morning, drank it warm while the can was open and it's been sitting out there and it just went flat, skunky, and that's what it tasted like. Hmm. And it was absolutely disgusting. Problem is, I spent like 16 plus dollars on that 12-pack. I wasn't going to fucking throw it away. Yeah. So I sat and kind of powered through it. I, I mean, that first one was really bad. The rest of them weren't too bad, but I mean, I to me, Sam's Summer Ale gets worse every consecutive year. Like, it tastes less zest, like, lemony zest, yeah. more, less summery. Not even more like wheat beer, but, like, just more like a typical adjunct lager macro-style beer, but not even done well. Like, they just kind of cobble it, throw it out there, because, like, this is our biggest selling seasonal. Might be the, probably their biggest selling beer over Boston Lager it, now. I don't know. I mean, it probably is a big seller because... It's out for it's eight, just, eight out of the yeah, 12 well, months. It's just like, you know, summer is a big seller for beer. So, but I mean, I didn't think my can that I that you brought me was that was too bad. Uh, I just, like I said, I just think that the wheat is overpowering in it. And I don't know if it's the canning process for that or not. Because I've had your Boston Lager in a can, and I think that's fine. I've had... I like their beers in a can, yeah. to be honest with you. And and I like the Rebel IPA the I've had. I, you know, they're fine. Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly don't know what. I think I think it is just summer ale. I, I Like I said, I don't really like it. Uh, when they have it on tap, I'm not excited. Like, when when I find out, like, they've got, like, winter ale or Oktoberfest on tap. Like, then I'm, like, legitimately, like, give me one of those. Well, to be honest, obviously, to be fair, we never really get a chance to see Oktoberfest on yeah. tap. Because, like, they got sick. gone. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's either like, Sam's or winter. Like, Oktoberfest gets yeah. totally skipped over. It's it like, does, right, yeah. it's your best beer. <laughs> and then, like, um, see, you know, I was just at Applebee's the other day, and I asked them what they had on tap. I was fully expecting them sure? to still have a spring. Are you sure it wasn't a dumpster? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Piece. I do. Uh, I well, like I'll say, well, after going to Ruby Tuesdays the other day, um, you'd prefer it. Oh, God. By, I would never. I, like Apple, or I like Ruby Tuesdays as well. I don't. I've been there only a few times and I've, mm. they're totally not impressed. Applebee's, I have to kind of be in the mood for. Yeah, I, do I don't. Like I never had better. like a bad experience at Applebee's. I've had almost, I think out of the four times I've been at Ruby Tuesdays, three out of the four times. I've and I never kind of, I have never really gone to, like, there's only been a very few times in my life where I've gone to, like, a certain restaurant and left, like, wow, I wish I could, like, I would bitch these people out about what terrible, f- not service, but, like, food and how everything is. Hmm. Very few places, like, I mean, like, even, like, the worst meal I've ever had, like, at McDonald's, I would never be like, this is atrocious, and, like, you know, I'd be like, yeah, you're not expecting it to be super, yeah. you know, nice no. at McDonald's, but... 
Um, so I was at Applebee's and I was fully expecting them to have spring still on tap, like a spring beer for Sam's still on tap, but nope. They had uh, Boston Lager and Summer Ale. And when I heard that Summer Ale was their seasonal, I was like, well, I'll take a Boston Lager because yeah. I'm just not a fan of it. And I have ordered it out as like a draft beer before and it's still not... <laughs> As I said, we've had it trash. We had a can bottle. It's yeah, we've had it. No, you probably just, had it from the brewery itself. Like. Yeah, I probably have actually because I think I have been there during the summer. Just not a huge fan of it. But one of the uh, one of the better brews that we've there are packs I should say that I've had is the Saranac uh, Summer Pack, which I like a lot. Um, this one's got um, the Summer Pills, like I mentioned, which is really good, really drinkable, easy to drink. Um, it's got what uh, they're calling a New York local Weiss, which is a wheat beer that's made. It's in the in the German style, made from um, all local New York ingredients, so all no, New York malts and and stuff like that, which is also really good. You had that tonight. Yeah, that I, good, right? I liked it. Yeah, lot. that's another really easily easy drinkable beer, and I think that's another one that we see that's a wheat beer, but it's not overly uh, powered no, like uh, was... the Sam's beer. Uh, pretty you know well balanced mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. I would say it was kind of, it was a lot like the Kolsch too. Yeah, and, and you had the Kolsch. Yeah, that's is, another one that's in there, the Kolsch, which has been in there before. Um, and that's they make a really good Kolsch as well. I think that those are. I, I think it's actually again not to compare with Sam. Yeah, have our New York Boston rivalry, but yeah. uh, um, I think it's better than Sam's Kolsch. Too. Yeah. I, I like Kolsch a lot. I like the style a lot. I think they're, again, yeah. easily drinkable. I was just saying, I think, I mean, the style for me is not anything that I would ever get excited for. Cause it's, to, to me, it's it's like a Pilsner. It's, just, mm-hmm. a, it's a nice, refreshing... Yeah, it is. Lo- like a style. E- you know, e- yeah. easy to drink beer. There's nothing that'd be like, wow, you can taste, you know. Nothing like that. It's just like, yeah, yeah you know, hot summer day. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. But that's, what I, that's what I mean. Like, it's easy to drink on a hot summer day. You can take it out as you're... You know, mowing the lawn or whatever. On your boat. Yeah. On your boat, if you have one. I don't. Get one. Yeah. Just go out and get one. You poor scum devil. And then the other thing... (laughs) (laughs) Then the other thing that Saranac's been including now in their packs, uh, more than their traditional pale ale... And their legacy now. And their legacy. uh, This one is the Gen 4 Session IPA. So they always like to stick like a pale ale or an IPA in there at some point. And I really like their Session IPA. Again, it's another really drinkable. I, I like it more than the regular IPA. You do? Yeah. Because yeah. I, th- I think it's got, like, because it um, it's a Session IPA, it's mm-hmm. light and refreshing enough to, like, where it's just so easy to drink. Yeah, there's but, not and, like a... But it does still have a nice hop crispness it, to it. But it's not like overwhelming, right. like whelming. Like, wow! No, yeah, I wouldn't say the hops are like huge in this. Like, you're just getting enough where you're like, okay, yep, that's an IPA. But uh, you know, it's not super overpowering. Yeah. There's not like this really skunky hop taste to yeah. it or anything like that. So I, I like this one a lot. So I think like the Saranac Summer Pack really for me is one that I like a lot. Yeah. I like that. I like that one a lot. So I'd recommend that. Um. I did have a couple others. Um, I know I saw you, Mister fa- Fancy Pants, yeah, with all not your, that long ago with your untaps, uh, like constantly, like new beer, new beer, new yeah, beer. Yeah, because I, I went to a, a show the other day and I had a, co- a few beers there. Um, nothing like really of note. I did have an orange pale ale, which was really good. I can't remember who made it though. Um, it wasn't anybody like like common that I would just remember the was name on the top of my head. Uh, I don't even know if it was local. I don't think it was local. I don't think so. 
Um, but I did have that an orange pale ale, which was pretty good. Um, one that really did stand out for me was I had the, um, it's made by Middle Ages, and it is called the um, Impaled Ale. It's a it's a um, English style IPA, and really really good, really good balance of malt and hops. Um, almost kind of reminds me of an ESB. Well, that's uh, what an English. IPA I mean, ba- basically, it was it was it was very similar. Um, probably a little less strong than an ESB. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of ESBs in general anyway. So, like, this one was really, really good. I enjoyed that one a lot. So, Middle Ages uh, in Paledale, really good. I would check that one out. I think they are somewhat local. I think they're local to New York. I found it at Price Shopper. I got it in the in a single. I think they're, like, around the Syracuse area. They could be, yeah. I think, I think yeah. they are. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, don't quote me. I'm yeah. not, I'm not sure, but I, but I almost, almost want to say, like, I remember seeing them when I was out in Oswego for college that, uh. That could be, yeah. yeah. But I would definitely recommend them as well. And those are my beer suggestions for this week because I, I don't really have anything else. And I don't know if you, you've been sticking with the Jenny for yeah, the most man, part, so about, uh, you don't have any new stuff yeah, to bring. But that's okay. I was, then, I, was, I was excited to see now in the, the Jenny 30, 30 packs for the season. They got <laughs> fishing lures and shit on them. Cause, oh, yeah? Because, I mean, I don't fish, but I mean, it's like, yeah, I want to. I wanna, but I want to get it's that. It's fun to think about, right? Yeah. It's fun to think like you might be fishing with your 30 pack. Yeah, but but I'm not going to because I don't have to sit on a on a in a boat for three hours mm. to have a reason to drink. I can. That's just... right. You don't. <laughs> but you know, since that ends our beer talk, our alcohol talk, that leaves us more time for Ghost in the Shell, which, um, it's a pretty complicated story when you when you really get down to it of the science fiction aspect of I th- it. I think it's very complicated. It's complicated, but I think at the same time it's. It's a paradox. It's so simple, but it but within its simplicity is yeah all these I, like in like complex little intricacies that, and that's that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up. And you know maybe it's good to bring it up first is that um, with Ghost in the Shell, I mean you definitely know that it's a Shiro Masamune film or or story because he has a, a, a like a s- distinct style for his science fiction for the way that he portrays like a a cybernetic universe Mm -hmm. and so like ghost in the shell even even though when i read the manga it's definitely different from this film um you can just tell that those things those types of cybernetic uh science fictiony uh items have been ported over from that manga because they all kind of make their appearance you've got the tanks um, which are actually more prevalent in the manga than they are in this in this film. They're more prevalent too, and uh, like standalone stand- complex. Yeah, the Tachikomas. Yes, and yeah, they don't even name them in this one, do they? No, it's just, it's just the tank that. Shows yeah, them. unless that's but, a that, that could also be a translation thing. I'm I mean, not sure. I don't though. know if it's that because they don't refer to them as Tachikomas in which, the, by, yeah, in because the, in the by film. the way, we did watch it in Japanese with English subtitles, so yeah. it's going to change it a little bit. But um, I mean, it's almost funny because in the standalone complex, the Tachikomas they play like a kind of a big part in the in the series, but they're right. kind of played for last because they're like they have childlike voices, yeah, and yeah, child, they do, yeah. and they have childlike demeanors, and they all have like these certain little quirks. They're meant there for you know co- comedic uh, relief. Though at you know at the end of the series there's a very very serious part with them, 
it's very heart wrenching. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, but they don't like they don't make an appearance so the, much yeah. within within the film. Um, but all of like the 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 different cybernetic things that occur, they definitely feel like they are a Massimune film. Uh, or it's uh, a plot element to it. And I think what makes Ghost in the Shell so interesting and engaging is that it really does feel like there's a whole universe that's happening within the film that we don't know about as mm-hmm. an audience. Like, we're kind of dropped into this this place that's kind of like our world, but definitely way more advanced with cyborgs and... Um, it feels like things are happening around us that we only get bits and pieces of. So like different uh, government agencies are kind of just used with monikers. Uh, we, we, you know, we're given like abbreviations of things. We, we're, we, we don't really get a whole sense of like exactly what things are, but we know that they're, they are happening in this world. Yeah. Cause you have in this, in this film in particular, you have section six and section nine. Yeah. And so, and that's what they're called. And even four, they mention. they men- yeah, they mentioned section four. Um, they don't give you real, they yeah. give you nothing really on what they do. I well, mean, they're just like a government agency. agency that you know that they, they do something yeah. governmental. I mean, it's important. You could think of it like if as an American, you could think of it as like, One's the CIA and one's yeah. the, one's the NSA. You know, like yeah. they both kind of have like the same purpose, but they're doing different things completely in different scopes and realms. And yes, yeah, how you know they differ in gathering intelligence and And you're right; the film does seem like the universe itself is huge and has it a does, lot, yeah. has a lot going on. But the film doesn't really give you a lot of information or tidbits about. Where you are, or what you know, how everything nope. is going. You're just thrown right in, and everything is really, really subtle in how they describe everything and show everything to you. And you can even take that to the level of how they refer to, you know, because this is a futuristic world. It takes place in 2029. You have cyborgs and all these different technological enhancements, and how they refer to these. Cyborgs who have you know had gone undergone so much uh, technological manipulation. Uh, manipulation if they have a ghost or a soul, right? Instead of you know, and if you want to like spell it out for people, make it simple, they just simply say, "Does this cyborg have a soul?" Or you know, do does this technology have a soul? It wouldn't be, "Do they have a ghost?" It's a ghost in the shell. Yeah, you know, it would be simplified much more. But right. they don't do that. They just say like. Subtle little things like, oh, how can, you know, yeah. is that your ghost whispering to you? Is that, is that, is that your, your conscience? Yeah. And so, like, and I think that the the biggest, um, you know, the the biggest thing that they're they're trying to get at here uh, with, like, the, the ghosts and the difference between, like, humans and cyborgs and, and what that means is just existentialism in general. I mean, the whole, the whole... Film is a question of existentialism and reality and dreams because I think one of the most um, interesting things that occurs and it's really not even a huge part. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's not a. It doesn't become a main plot point of the film, but it's kind of mentioned in passing that this is what's happening uh, with uh, what they call the the enemy within Ghost in the Shell, the Puppet Master. Um, is that he can 
and I say he in a broad sense, uh, as they refer to him, um, he can kind of hack into ghosts and give them memories. Well, to, to be to be more specific, yeah. because technology has advanced so far. There's a uh, most people have on, undergone some, some sort of cybernetic, some type of yeah, cybernetic enhancement. So most people have a uh, cybernetic implants and brain, so they can. As you see more kind of standalone complex, you see it a lot more frequently um, how they can just access the internet and the web and all the data from just within their mind. Yeah, within their mind. Yeah, I, and so in this, the whole concept is because you have all these cybernetic enhancements. But and the only people that really don't have that are like the old, very older people. Like um, in this film, Aramaki, he has no besides his cybernetic brain, he has no like cyborg enhancements right. to him. Um, but, but I think like the, the biggest thing too, is that they don't really make a mention of like who has what it's kind of implied to you as the viewer that maybe they do have some sort of cybernetic enhancement and you're, you're kind of left to figure that out. Well, and well, Bato explains, um, Bato, who is one of the main characters in the film and, uh, I guess you'd say Kusanagi's partner, Mm -hmm. um, subordinate, um, he says, uh, to, uh. Togusa, one of the new recruits that's been just transferred from a police, police, depart- police department to Section 9. Because uh, Togusa doesn't have any enhancements. All he has is, you know, the cyborg brain enhancements that he can access, uh, you know, the web and all and that. that. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and stand- again, you know, standalone complex doesn't... It's a separate universe compared to this... And that explains more, like, because he's he's an old-fashioned guy. That's why in this film he has a revolver still, too, because he's, you know, he that's how he lives his life as, like, an old-fashioned style. In this, you know, Bato explains when um, Toga says, explaining about, like, saying how, how can the puppet master have a soul? He's, you know, he's, he's AI. How can he have a soul? And Bato says, you know, watch your mouth in a polite way because... Everyone that works for Section 9, except you and Aramaki, has some type of cyborg enhancements, yeah. has been basically rebuilt. Like, they're not, hu- you know, they're not human bodies anymore. They've been transformed in, into cyborgs. Yeah. But I think, like, what the, one of the most um, interesting aspects for me of what the film had was when they were talking about how, you know, the puppet master can implant those memories of things that mm-hmm. you don't have. Like uh, uh, when, when one of the, one of the guys that's a garbage man, he has an implanted memory of a wife and kid that he doesn't really have, that he he thinks he has in his mind, mm-hmm. but he's been hacked into. It's like you going on to someone else's computer and adding some some memory to it mm-hmm. um, that they didn't they don't actually have. And 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 the the thing of the, we don't really see that that often like we don't see a whole lot of that coming into play specifically it's just kind of shown that this is what the puppet master can and has been doing mm-hmm. but i think that's really interesting because there's an interplay there with cybernetic technology and also our brains our brains can also be manipulated into thinking that we have things that we don't and th- there's that juxtaposition between what's what's a cybernetic brain compared to a human brain. Well, not only that, what worked so well in that scene, too, is, especially at the uh, when the garbage men get arrested and he's being interrogated by Bato and he's saying, like, you know, I have a wife and kid. Bato's like, no, you don't. And he's like, if you do, what's your wife's name? When did you meet? 
you know, when did you get married? What's yeah. your daughter's name? And he can't answer those questions. And he shows him the photo that the garbage man showed his partner earlier. That's uh, well, he wanted to show of his wife and kid, but the guy refused, saying like, "Nah, I don't look at that shit." And Bato shows him, and he looks at it, and he's like, "But I saw it, I, you know." And Bato says like, "You've been hacked into. Your memories are false, and it's been a fantasy to you." And he's like, "Well, how do I get rid of this? I feel pain and sorrow over this." And Bato's like, "Can't do anything about it. Yeah, you know, you, there's you, nothing that we can do about yeah. it at this time with our technology." Yeah, I think, that's, and, and and that and that's like you know a great you know yeah you have all this technology. So you can like get connected more and become, you know, improve the human body, but at the same time, it's like it still can fail. And I don't think that that like that like that part alone for me, if I like lived in that time period, that alone, that idea of on the remote chance you could be hacked and have like a you know be screwed with like that, I wouldn't want that. Right. I would like I would be like no thank you I. I, I I don't really need to be connected to the you know <laughs> to the, the web twenty four seven. Yeah, I I will live fine, fine and dandy, you know, and just I, being myself. Because in yeah. that in that sense, and this gets this is where the film gets interesting because mm-hmm. it's the the after you know the post talk when you kind of like talk about these little details. Yeah, you know, as like and that is something that they're working on right now too, like scientifically, like trying to do that kind of stuff and. Advancing AI and whatnot, um, it does bring in a lot of questions. Where you know, how do you define, li- you know, life? If you get to such a level, I mean, you can now say by you know has to be able to do this and that. But when if you get technology to the point where there's a yeah, where there's like there's no boundary between like what is considered human and cyborg. Mm-hmm. They're kind of conjoined. They're together. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's... there's Then then you come into this gray area where it's like, well, what is one and what is the other? What is... Yeah. How, how do you define the human aspect of that person versus the cyborg aspect of that person? And I think we see that within Ghost in the Shell uh, quite a bit when, um, you know, the Major is trying to... F- she... She struggles herself with her own cybernetic systems. That there's there's the the issue with certain things like uh, knowing that you could die, um, knowing that uh, you are limited as to what you can do. Uh, like technically, you could be immortal, but at the same time, you're limited with what humans can normally do, like reproduce. Mm. Um, or to know, like to know yourself within your own ghost. Um, so that, I think that there's, there definitely always constantly an existential issue within Ghost in the Shell that, that every character is kind of trying to rectify at some point. Mm. And I think that's really interesting about it. It brings into the, the, brings the film into a whole new psychological realm that, um, Becomes like you said. It technically, if you're only watching the film for what's happening, it's really not that hard to understand. It's pr- it's you know it's pretty simplistic. They're chasing after this person. They're trying to track him down. That's that's if you mm-hmm. if you were to uh, kind of sum the film up in one sentence, it would be like 
a government agency is trying to track down a hacker. A hacker. And that's it. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of the film. And really, it doesn't expand that much more than that. That's basically entirely what it's about. But when you kind of delve into it even more, there's there's just these layers, these these layers that you have to kind of process like a computer. And not, not only that, but I mean the the dialogue and kind of talk about those types of themes too are very quick. Yeah, and, and very outside of uh, Kusanagi's monologue where she's on the boat talking to Bato about. And Bato's like, why the hell is a cyborg wanting to to dive to scuba dive on her free you know her free time? That you know that's a you know seems like a waste. And she's explaining to him how she feels while she's scuba diving, and how she feels like it's her soul telling you know talking to her and whatnot about her experience and that what she feels and how it makes her feel you know alive. It's, you know, that's like one of the few scenes in the film where it's kind of, that kind of ex- expands, which is kind of one of the few problems about the film, is that one scene kind of annoys me a little bit just because it's, compared to everything else, it's just like, kind of like, smack, uh, on the head. Uh, yeah, on the yeah, nose, I, like, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's the only scene. Um, there's a couple other scenes, I think, that that was my one issue, my one complaint with the film, is that sometimes the, the, that existential talk is really on the nose. Um, I, I don't think it's just that scene, but a couple others as I mean, well. It, there are, but I mean, with like the puppet masters, it makes sense, because... Then they're discussing exactly yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, um, but, uh, but that like one expository monologue kind of... Not saying it's bad, but it's you know it's yeah it's, it's the one little... thing that's kind of like really on the nose, yeah, like it's the, hitting the point right on the head there. But um, and other I... than that, most of the other talk, like when Bato's talking about things or Kusanagi or it's kind of veiled. It's very it is veiled because it's as we said, like this universe seems so vast and big, but everything's kind of like you're thrown in there. Yep, and so everything like when uh. Bato's like, <laughs> he thinks he's got a ghost talking to him. What an idiot. He just walks away. And like, it's like the first time it gets brought up. And if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, what the fuck's a ghost? What does he mean by that? But it's like they're putting it in colloquial terms of like how they would in their universe talk about it. Talk well. about it and yeah. explain about it. So, I mean. Yeah. And, and like, um, I think that. That whole, yeah, I mean, I think, I get what you're saying. I think that whole thing with the, um, kind of talking about existentialism without really hitting it on the, on the nose is done a little bit better in like standalone complex. I don't think they really have those like blatant discussions about existentialism. It's kind of like, they, they, they do sometimes, but I think like, um, especially when it, like near the end when it's, um. Kusanagi at the end of like the first season's talking to the Laughing Man and all that. Like, yeah, it's you know it's more on the nose, but by at that point, like everything's being kind of summed up neatly. So yeah. you know, makes. Yeah. But I mean, that I mean that makes more sense for them not to be so on the nose when it comes to standalone complex because it's 25, 26, 20, 23 minute episodes. So, yeah, so you, you know, got. They don't really have time to sit down and have like you know like this. Shakespearean monologue about yeah, you know how it all relates 
is more going to just build up over the time of the series to do it. But I mean, I understand why in this film, why you kind of, you'd have to do that. Cause again, this film's barely over an hour 20. Yeah. If this film is made to take you like four hours long. <laughs> yeah. And you'd yeah, have like a, you'd have like a, like a, a fireside chat between Bato and Kusanagi going like, so you really think, you know, you have a, a ghost? And she's like, I know I have a ghost. This is why I have a ghost. Here's the 30, I wrote down this very long list of, why the reasons why I have a ghost, and by that point you'd be like, "There's no fucking point." Yeah, but I mean, there is one uh, that scene with the diving is is um, there's one thing that really resonates from it uh, symbolically, and that's her diving, literally diving, because they also call searching on the net and going into other ghosts diving, diving. and so Ghost in the Shell really draws attention to the fact that. The city itself is a interconnected net, which because it, it, it takes it, place in Hong Kong. Yeah, too. and it it consistently shows the city as like this vast net of networks that you would think of as not only in like a brain, like your neural network, mm-hmm. but also a, as a net, like they're talking bi- about. Like, like a, well, not only that, but like a biological network too. Like yeah, a, like a living. Yeah, because you you do get like a lot of though it's not like. Uh, great deal of the film but you get a lot of quick shots of like just the city itself and yeah. pe- people moving the going expansive through, city and going through like their day to day lives and routine they should kind of show the scope and the magnitude and the interconnection between our protagonist and the city itself and that whole that whole um, last sequence where we see the major and she's she's we're we're basically told that we're we're meant to think that they've kind of joined, that she's joined now with puppet the puppet master. Um, there's that final shot of the city as its connections are kind of, it like kind of spans over the whole city, and we see all those little streets interconnecting and all and the lights, all, and- all the lights connecting together, um, and it kind of just brings that whole th- thing into perspective that. You know, as we're talking about the net and we're diving on the net, which is basically for what we're talking about in the internet, what this is, what a podcast is posted on is basically fake thing. It's like a fake connection. Like it's not even a physical, like a road. It's sometimes when you think about the internet, it's kind of hard to imagine it. Like how would you literally describe the internet to someone who doesn't know what it is? You, you. It's a it's a uh, imaginary set of connections. On um, hell, it'd be unless you have like an IT degree, it'd be kind of hard to. Yeah, it's it's like to explain like how does the internet work? It's like good yeah, question. It's, it's like a good question, right? Exactly, and so <laughs> like that in itself is it's it's, it's almost like kind of like <laughs> to quote Joe Dirt <laughs> when his dad's like. How does the pause track work? Just does. Just does. It'd be, right. it'd, be, yeah. it'd be kind of like, if I like someone asked me, and I'm not saying I'm, you know, the smartest guy, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not stupid. I explain a lot of things to people, but if yeah. they're like, how does the internet work? I'd be like, uh, it, it just does. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's so complex. Yeah. But I think that's, that's what they're drawing attention to in Ghost in the Shell, is that, yes, the net is super complex. Internet is super complex, but then you have the world around you that's also super fucking complex. And that makes it a 
very bold statement. Because, again, yeah. this is made in 19-fucking-95. Yeah. This is before The Matrix, which mm-hmm. was heavily inspired by this. You yeah. know, the Wachowskis, you the Wachowskis went to their producer when they pitched The Matrix and showed him this and said, this is what we want to do live, live action. Yeah. Um, you know, like, again, like, it has, like, this is a film I'd say you have to watch several times to kind of peel... Like, to peel back every kind of layer and, like, to kind of truly understand and, like, get a total grasp of what's going on. I don't, I don't think you can truly appreciate, like, watch this film once and be like, eh, I'm done with it and, you know, never kind of revisit Because I don't think you'll ever fully appreciate it and like it for like that. I think it took me a couple watches. Not that I, like, after the first time I watched this, I wasn't going like, uh, well, this sucks or it's okay. It's kind of like... I didn't really catch what was going on in this. I could watch it again, like understand more, and and I think I think it's it's one of those films that you have to kind of not just have like a keen eye and pay attention, but it requires you to watch kind of several times to peel back each layer and kind of because it's like as you being in a English teaching degree. Um, with, like, the ELAs, like, okay, we'll listen to the story, and then, like, go through a second time, so yeah. you can, now you know what to kind of look for and whatnot. That, I would say, would, like, apply it to this film. Like, yeah. you watch it the first time, you can kind of enjoy it as a film itself, and it's great like that, but at the same time, to truly kind of get more into it, you have to kind of keep going back to it to right. peel more and more from it yeah yeah i agree and and yeah i mean like i said it's it's that complexity that's within the the science fiction realm of it that's that makes it you want to go back to it i mean i love that the we have you know the um um the puppet master is basically a sentient program it's uh it's it's was created and then now has gained self-recognition of of what it is and so you have that. It'd be, and one of the things tend to uh, go. What would be nice about this, though they don't, and I understand why, because again, this film is very not totally detail oriented. But it'd be nice how, like, they kind of like said how the puppet master himself became sentient. Yeah, he, he just says, you know, like I was a program created, and over time, I became self aware. Yeah, it'd be kind of it. Um, I. Understand why they didn't because then you'd be adding way too much to it. You'd be adding a lot, and, yeah. and you'd be like kind of guessing a lot about like it and like making a lot of kind of uh, I don't know, like jumps to conclusions, like assumptions, yeah. About assumptions. Stuff. yeah. Um, but it'd be cool, like I said, hindsight 2020, it'd be kind of cool to explain, like, well, how did he gain sentience? Is you know, I how, think- how, how, you know, how. Was he? Was it from him exploring? You know, because he's a he was meant to keep track of people and follow all this different data. Was it through following all this different data in people's lives and you know keeping tabs on them and hacking them? Did he think like through doing all that constantly? Did his programming think like is what I'm doing right? Or you know, honestly, like I I I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like I don't think it's needed because I think. When you when we talk about like what he is as a sentient program, um, there's the mystery of of this uh, puppet master. I think is 
very is is much more important than actually showing what no, and, exactly. And, and I agree. No, I, like I said, I agree. I, I'm not saying it would be better if they did that, but as a viewer, I think you're, you're asking for as it. A, as a curiosity. Yeah. Like, like man, it'd be nice if they. But like, I understand. Like, again, totally understand why they don't. Yeah. and why they leave it like that. Mm-hmm. I totally do. But as like a viewer, especially like on the first time, it'd be like more. It'd be more interesting. It make you ask that, but I understand. I, like I said, yeah. I totally understand why they don't do that, and I agree it's for the better. But at the same time, you had that like kind of conflicting. Yeah, I mean, because I really like that that whole scene at the end where the major and and uh, the um, the puppet master are kind of like side by side, and you kind of get that uncanny valley where you're looking at two things, these two cyborgs, where you really see them as cyborgs. You're not uh, like for most of the film, you see the major, and she could be a human for all you know. You don't, you know. There's nothing really that's standing out about her that makes her cyborgian, even though you see in the beginning, yeah, uh, that she's being made, her shell being, yeah. yeah. But but other than that, like there's if you're just watching her, it's like yeah, she could be human, and I think that's the point is that the, you know she could be a human, but at the end when you're seeing them, and you kind of see like the glassy lifelessness of that cyborg look. It's not. See, I wanted to bring that up too. It's not just her though. Yeah. It's everybody in that film except Togusa. Yeah. And Aramaki. They all every because everyone that's gone through the the cyborg process, process the cybernetic yeah. change. You can tell just by looking at their eyes. I mean, yeah. Not not Bato because he has cybernetic yeah, implanted he, eyes. Yeah. But you can tell by looking at them, their eyes are totally are, gla- dif- are different, totally glazed. But I think, like at that end of the scene where she's kind of laying there, you see it even more. Like it's kind of it, very doll. Yeah, it's yes, it's doll-like, and you see like the the lifelessness of it. That it's it's definitely different from human. Um, and I think that's kind of it's eerie for one thing because you're watching these two like kind of shredded robots con- conversing with each other um not not like explicitly conversing but no it's all it's all within the cybernetics because Bato's there and he's like yeah, he, he can't hear and, and to make sure that you know he doesn't know what's going on he's saying hey we, we you know what are you talking about because the puppet master is still voicing his thoughts through the bodies yeah. both of them with like you can see their mouths moving but when Kusanagi's, you know, replying back and asking questions to the puppet master, you don't see that. So Bato is just hearing one side of that conversation. But I think that's a that's a really compelling scene because you have the puppet master who, for throughout much of the film, has been like the major enemy, really. And really, all that this puppet master wants is to to be able to enjoy the things that humans have. He wants only two things. Right. He wants to die. And he wants to be able to create an offspring. And when you think about it, and you think about, like, oh, I could have cybernetic implants, it's like, oh, cool, I would never die. But at the same time, this sentient being, who will never die, he's immortal. Wishes for death. Wishes for death. And also for, for you, yeah, reproduction. New, yeah. um, it's not only just that he's, he's wishing for reproduction, because, I mean, that is, uh, you know, I mean... There's nothing compelling specifically about that, but it's the point that they bring up that they could copy him, and that's not the but, same well, thing. Uh, as, yeah, well, as I said, that's the same thing. Like, what makes your your ghost yeah. specifically your ghost? Well, not, not only that, but like if you think about it, like it's just like the biological animal kingdom level, you would people would say we as beings that reproduce sexually 
it's a lot different than like a sponge creating a spore Mm -hmm. that you know buds and like creates like a copy that's only very slightly different like like you would say the you know the complexion of how we reproduce in other uh mammals and such they're you know it's more complex it's yeah which which is true it is more complex but like it adds like if you were to like assign individuality to like a dog right and, like, then it's offspring. You could, but, like, because of, like, through that reproduction, it's not an exact copy. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- whereas something like that reproduces asexually, it's very hard to make that distinguish. It's, again, it's almost literally a copy. It's yeah. preserving, it's continuing, it's... It's, ex- yeah, it's, it's existence. Exi- it's the existence of the species is itself, but... But it's not individually... But the, but the, but the evolution... Of creating it into being more, like, kind of different through each generation. Yeah, it's it's not there. It's missing. It's, you know, it's not as, like, noticeable. And I mean, granted, you can make, like, the comment that, like, well, that's true for, like, bacteria, but, like, the evolution's quicker. Well, it's, yeah, because they're constantly, you know, reproducing. But, like, if you were to set it on, like, a same time scale, like, if we re- reproduce like that, you would see, you know, the same exact... And the big thing with uh, what the uh, puppet master is talking about is that, and this works for humans as well, is that if he creates a copy, he could easily be wiped out by one specific virus Mm -hmm. that that would just wipe out the entire uh, puppet master existence, existence. not only because it would wipe out him, but whatever copies they made, because it's the exact same Mm -hmm. thing. It would work for all of them. Just the same thing with humanity. If we never evolved to have, uh, any immunities to diseases, we all would have been wiped out a long time ago. But as we reproduce and maintain those, individuality, yeah. those, those immunities be- come yeah. out. Well, let's and say those mutations from each progressive generation. Yeah. Create yeah. new antibodies and, and new ways of getting around uh, anything that could be cataclysmic to the human race. So that is kind of like arguing that we can't have a specific cybernetic existence that we we kind of create just cybernetic implants in people it doesn't work like that we need the individualized humanity to be able to reproduce and create individual new uh life forms i think it also accepts the film also accepts too that technology is going to go that way Mm -hmm. that it's we're going you know mankind you know, through hell, yeah. hell and back is going to, you know, always find a new technological way to improve and change our lives. Yeah. And that, and that basically the line between like, you know, it's going to become, it is going to become blurred mm-hmm. and that we need, you know, kind of need to reconcile. Yeah. And in like the ending definitely accepts that because they do join, they join together that it's only by becoming together uh, with, I mean, what you would say is like the cybernetic version and then the more humanistic version are coming together to kind of form one, form and, one and, entity and, that can do both. But at the same time, like you could like argue like, is, like in this, is, is Kusanagi human? Right. Because she's totally a cybernetic body, but it's, you know, the, the film doesn't specifically stay, say, like, as in standalone complex, where it's, yeah, she is human, because she, she's used to have, you know, her 
as a child, she got an accident. Her body, her mind got transferred into, you know, different, you know, cybernetic bodies and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, this one so, doesn't so say. It, they don't really specifically say if she has like an actual human brain in her or not. That's why she's constantly saying that's is her ghost speaking to her. Like, we don't really know if she's, you know, if there's anything human about her. Yeah. If, you know, Bato does, you know, they do say like he's got a, you know, human brain and then he just has like a cyborg body. But at the same time, can you make the argument like just because you put a brain, a human conscious into a cyborg body doesn't make it human? Yeah. And I, and again, that's where like you get that, the, the whole discussion on like what makes somebody human. Is it the mind? Is it the body? Is it, it what it's able to do? Mm-hmm. Um... Like, I don't think it has any answers. I think it just poses those the questions, questions for you yeah. to, to, to ask. To yeah, yeah. Um, Which I really like. I mean, I like that a lot. No, I, I do too. Um, and I, I think it's really cool. Like, like I said, if, like if I was like throwing that universe too, I'd be like, yeah, all that sounds cool and all, but like for me, I'd be like, too many risks. I like I I'd rather just you know. Not saying, like, I'm more human than them, but, like, for me, it'd be like, yeah, I don't really want to have the possibility of being hacked, my brain being hacked, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. But. Um, so, w- I haven't seen the sequel to this, the, the legitimate sequel, not 2.0, Innoc- but. Innocence, yeah. Is that, is it good? Is it. No, is, don't bother not, not even good. All right, so. Yeah, I'd say, it not, it's not that it's bad, it's mediocre. Yeah. It's kind of like, no. And I haven't, I actually haven't seen that. I've only seen that one like once or twice. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, not really anything that's good to know. Go back. But Standalone Complex is good. Great. Should, should really watch. It's one of my my favorite animes of all time. I don't think I saw all of the first season, but I definitely saw quite a bit of it. I saw a lot of the Laughing Man's part. And I would say the Laughing Man really does remind me quite a bit of, the tension of this film with the it, puppet master. He, he kind of is like in yeah. a standalone comic. This kind of is like the puppet master because he does hack into. It is a hacker. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but from what I can remember, that the Laughing Man parts of it because I think there's standalone episodes within that. Sta- within yeah, the no, Laughing Man sequences yeah, no, no, as the, well, right? Yeah. No, there is. So. Again, the whole for both seasons of uh, Standalone Complex, each season has an overarching arc, of, like, which is the, the complex. Yeah, yeah the ma- the main yeah. uh, event that's going on in the storyline. But there's also episodes that have totally nothing to do with what's going on. They're just kind of there to tell us a certain story or to like expound upon uh, yeah. certain characters' traits and, and whatnot. And that's the standalone part yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, one of them, I can't, I can't remember, if it, I think it was Saito, in one of like, the first season episodes, I believe it is. I, I actually haven't watched Standalone Complex like two or three years. I really got to pop my DVDs in. Yeah. So, like I said, it is literally one of my favorite animes of all time. But I believe it's in one episode, like season one, it's a sta- it's standalone episode. And it's, I think it's Saito playing a game of poker with his buddies, and they're asking how he met the major for the first time. And it's just him saying, talking about how he met the major. But by the end, you don't really know if the story he told you was true or bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like, th- but it's at the same time, you kind of like from that episode, you kind of glean about what, what Saito's about, what the major's about, and possibly what some of their backstory, you know, yeah, backstory is. Yeah. It's it's a very bebop in that sense. It's it's uh, got that, you know, mm-hmm. bebop-esque storytelling. And, hmm. 
I like that. that sounds good. Um, I think one thing we haven't talked about yeah, either really is the artwork in this film. Yeah. Um, I, we kind of touched upon it, but I think, um, I love it. I think this film looks great. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, It has really great hand drawn, but also like the CGI that they put in there too is, especially for his time, it's very seamless. It's very, and that's a very hard thing to do. Even with, uh, like modern films today, like for instance, Batman v Superman, it's like, you can clearly tell when they're throwing a shit ton of CGI in there. And it totally throws you out. This looks, you know, mm-hmm. totally seamless. Looks yeah, clean really and crisp. Um, I love... I, I Like, everything that's drawn in this film looks great. Like, the whole scenes of when they're showing, like, Hong Kong itself, and the city itself, and just, like, people walking around, all the signs. It's got such detail. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, it is. I, I think that's the best, you know, that's really the best description of what Ghost in the Shell has because there's, you know, there is that, those portions of CGI, but really they're not, I, like, when you're watching an anime and it, it does have, like, hand-drawn moments, but then you have CGI put in, you can, sometimes you can really tell. Like, it's, like, obvious, like, oh, you know, that, that was CGI added to it. But with this one, you definitely, it, it is very seamless as to, like, how they come together. And uh, it's very, very characteristic of what I remember from the manga as well. Very, very similar to the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked it. Like I said before, I like this the older style of animation. And it's nice to come back to sometimes when you've been watching like the newer stuff. Because mm-hmm. you can clearly tell it's like 100% different. So, um, one thing we haven't talked about is the, uh, the new live action film that's coming out. For Ghost in the Shell. How do you feel about that? Um, I'll probably end up going seeing it. Yeah. Um, I actually think, even though I'm not a fan of the idea of ever translating an anime into a film. I'm not either. Even, no matter how seamless I think an anime could be translated. Like, there's very few anime I think could be pulled over into like a westernization film Mm -hmm. and succeed. There's very few. Um, Akira is not one of them. Oh God, no! No, Bebop's not one. Thank God that like that one died a death. Because I think but, like when you have those iconic characters like in Bebop, like Spike, how are you going to get someone to portray that as a live action person? It just doesn't work, especially if it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just can't see it because they have their own I mean, specific. Not, not like that, but like the world itself is so. Like, Bebop's world is so, like, different and colorful and multicultural. With, like, especially today with, like, how they throw in so much CGI and they'd be, like, backdropped and green screen. They'd be like, oh, this looks like shit. I mean, not that I want to ever give them the idea for it, but I think one of the few ones that would work would be Lupin. Yeah. And I don't, didn't, I don't ever want them to do it, but at this point, I don't think they'll ever do it because Lupin has such a... Not great reputation in the West. It's, uh, you know, it's a classic Japanese anime. It's like Gundam. It's a classic Japanese anime. It's like, you know, Star Trek. Blue Pond for them is like Mission Impossible and Bond. It's classic, but it's over here it's like, who gives yeah, a shit? no one really cares. Um, but I think Lupin as a live action film, if done a certain way, could be fantastic. Because yeah. I think if it they set it in like the 60s, make it like it set in like 1968, have that style, that look... That kind of like that Mad Men like took such great detail too. 
have it set like that, and instead of being kind of more comical, like the red jacket and pink jacket, yeah. what Lupin's kind of known for, set it more in like the early uh, green jacket style of being more serious and gritty, you can make a really good Lupin film. Yeah, or get the get the writers from this latest Lupin the, adaptation, the blue, jacket. The, the blue Jacket, because that one is... Quite a bit more. I mean, there obviously there are still there's some comedic aspects of it, but certain episodes in this series have a quite a bit more serious tone to them, which is really good. I'm not saying like that I don't like well, the comedic I mean, parts of it, but I think that a serious toned uh, live action movie would go. Well, really as I say, well. Lupin being like my favorite anime franchise, even more so than Gundam. Um, for me, as a Lupin fan, I am always. I have always liked the darker edge to it. Like I'm yeah. one, I'm one of the few people that like the manga a lot. Like a lot of like Lupin fans that like love the anime don't really like the manga because of its art style and it's you know, I mean it's very comedic, but it's very like different in its comedy style from say what Lupin's known for now with like the yeah. Red Jacket and all the different movies. I you know that's why I like uh, for like all the films like Mamo's my favorite film because it's the most like the manga. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think if they did a Lupin film, and they did it, you know, in a more serious style, like, and uh, then they'd have to do something that the anime is incapable of doing, which is make it just Lupin because any gotta. Yeah. Just, just they overcomplicate it too much. Like, well, we gotta find Goemon in there somewhere. It's like if you can't fit his ass in there, don't fucking put him in there. Yeah. Don't don't waste. You know, just don't have him show up. Like I cut something useless and be on his way. It's that that's not funny anymore. That's yeah. stupid. And that's how I think they'd have to do, like, a Lupin. If they made a good Lupin film, it had to be set in the 60s. Very, very much a period piece. Make it more serious and just make it Lupin vs. Like, Jigen versus Zenigata. Yeah. And make it, like, a battle of wits and how they go about it. And then you can throw in, like, some comedy in there, like, but not probably that much. I think that would work. I think Ghost in the Shell, as a film, can work if because we've seen The Matrix work. Yeah. And not only that, I think, to make a very simple comparison, I think Ghost in the Shell is basically the, it's the animated Blade Runner. To make a very, I'm not saying like a, tr- like a very true comparison, mm. at a very basic level, it's an animated Blade Runner, because Blade Runner poses the same questions mm. about how do you differentiate, you know... Yeah, it does, yeah. You know, life and the life of a cyborg. Right. And how, you know, memories, because that's another thing we don't really talk about that much, but like memories, you know, how what you think is real and is a memory to you that is real can just be nothing but fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, they both, both films pose the same kind of questions, yeah. but tackle them in different, kind of slightly different ways. Yeah, and then and, and I think definitely think Ghost in the Shell was influenced by Philip K. Dick with that one you know, line I, yeah. about the glass darkly. Yeah. That's definitely a Philip K. Dick line and um that's i i definitely think that those they're two sides of the same coin really so but again because if they just wanted to make ghost in the shell like with with how they're doing with scarjo um if they you could just in name like kind of remake blade runner yeah and you would have probably an adequate ghost in the shell not that i'm saying that's what i want to see yeah but i'm saying they can they can pull it off I am nervous. Well, I'm nervous that uh, there are like the the characters within are like Bato, very like have iconic designs, and so 
how do you really pull that off? In- well, it's, it's, as I say, it's really great because in like standalone conflicts, like Bato doesn't have a crew cut like that. He has a fucking ponytail. Like yeah, he's... yeah, he does. Yeah, and like to- Togus has got that great mullet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Please put that in the new one. You gave, you gave Scarjo that lovely wig. Please say whoever you cast to be like Togus on Bato. Bato's got himself, you know, fucking white ponytail, and Togus has got like Billy Ray Cyrus's mullet. So that's one thing I'm concerned about, because it's kind of, like, you know, it's difficult to pull off, like, those kind of cartoonish... Yeah, like, what would look what would look fine in a cartoon, you know, in an animated, animated cartoon, if, you know, in real life, you're going to be like, well, that looks stupid. Yeah, right. But then at the same time, if you if you change it, like, so much, and, like, like people are going to be like, that doesn't fucking look like them. Right, exactly. You, they're not going to... On that front, you can't win. And I, I do think that it's stupid to... Asianify Scarlett Johansson. I really do. Well, if they wanted. Well, a, yeah. Uh, they I wanted know, an Asian actress. They should have just had an Asian actress. Yeah. You know. No, I agree. I mean, stupid. Uh, and people are really pissed about that, and and rightfully so. I mean, because Asian people are getting the shaft so they can have ScarJo be. I know, but this, like, as I said, at the same time, what the fuck did you? This is this isn't like an indie film that like right, yeah. like. Uh, Fox Searchlight signed up. Like, yeah, you can go make your little anime, you know. Yeah. This is a big budget Hollywood film. Yeah. They're gonna be like, who makes money? ScarJo's been in those Marvel films. ScarJo's been making tons of money for the, you know. Put her in I'm, there. I'm interested to see if they have ScarJo go naked or not. It's a win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Um, but I did see an interesting note about uh, Ghost in the Shell using ScarJo. And this is before they had had that kind of release that said they had done Asian testing to to try to figure out how they could make Scarlett Johansson look more Asian. Um, They had said, you know, what if they just had said that Major Kusanagi, she doesn't look Asian because she's a cyborg. She was created. So maybe she doesn't have Asian features because she was created. They could say that. But that was before they they actually had... I know, but you can can say like a lot of... Different reasons. Yeah. Like, there was just one that I could, you know, hell, to get this, around. There is no reason for them in this film. I could totally see them if they were making this film, if they were going to say, like, set it in America. Yeah. And, and they, instead of being like, well, fuck, her name's Motoko Kusanagi. He's like, we're just going to call her the Major. Yeah. We're, we're going to give her a name because she's a cyborg. And he's like, the Major. And that's, um, that was what someone else said as well. Is why didn't they just, if they were going to do that, why didn't they just set it in America and do that? Yeah. Because they, just as easily they could. There's no, you know, there's still those, if you wanted to have those scenes where the city is interconnected, there's plenty of c- cities that do the same thing, especially at night. In yeah. Fucking New York City. You see all those kind of like night lit backdrop shots and of not, cities. And, and not only that, though, if everyone's complaining about it not being an Asian actor, then you better hope everyone they cast then is a fucking Asian actor. Because right. it's going to take place in Japan. And you got, you know, again, Bato, Saito, Tokugawa, yeah. or, you know, Arakami. It's, they should also all be... They Asian gotta actors. all be, you know, Japanese. Otherwise, it's... I mean, and I, I can... Under, like, again, I can understand why people would be pissed. Because, like I said, they made a Lupin film. They, Zenigata is, like, you know, a white guy running around. It's like... <laughs> like, oh, I think that's Koichi Zenigata. I think his name might be Kevin Zen. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, no, I, I I understand, but it, yeah. I understand like the outrage. But at the same time, it's like, what did you expect? What, from, what, uh, 
a big, you know, you know, Hollywood big shots. You're like, yeah. let's make the let's make the money. I, as I said, there's a lot of casting decisions. I'm assuming over the past couple of years of like films, people are probably like, absolutely, really, that's who you're fucking casting yep. for that, absolutely. But I mean, I I like you. I for the live action, I'm very skeptical. Yeah, I um, I have no idea how it's going. And, and to be honest with you, I question like. I like a lot of anime films that have been brought up over the past like decade about like oh, they're in production. I question if this will even be finished. Yeah, it's a. It's, I mean, I know they got ScarJo on and, board. And, like, but, like Akira had been like talked about for, as a live action film for, for years. years. Yeah, haven't seen anything. Yeah, so, so I mean, like it could end up in developmental hell and and Evangelion too. Oh God, live that, action. Good Lord. That, oh, pray, pray that never comes. Nah, I don't think it's a good idea. But you wish, I did not know the new Godzilla that's being made, the Toho Godzilla? Yeah. Hideki Anno's directing it. Oh, yeah? Did not know that. Didn't it's know him and somebody either. else. That's why Evangelion 4.4, you cannot do whatever the fuck you <laughs> want. Whatever the fuck they're... Whatever that's called. Um, it still, still has not been made almost like 10 years. Like... <laughs> Going on 10 years. He's got better stuff to do. So People have been saying online, like, uh, yeah, Evangelion 4.4 or whatever, come out when Half-Life 3 does. So it's like, never! It's never gonna... Never happening. Which, to be honest with you, I don't really care. I didn't see Evangelion, the uh, redo of, or the rebuild, the third one. I've seen the first two, but after the first two, it was like... Hideki Anno's just fucking George Lucas of Japan. Yeah, redoing stuff. He's like, I did Evangelion. It's my Star Wars. Instead of moving on to other projects, I'm just going to tinker with it as much as possible because I hate the fans. They piss me off, but they're my, they're constantly giving me money. So I'm I, just gonna... had, I had Robin Williams' uh, attention, so that's good enough for me. He liked it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's he liked saying. it a lot. It was in one-hour photo. Yeah, I know it was, yeah. That is a film we got to review. It's a good film. I like that one. That is one of my favorite films of all time, actually. It might be my top ten, actually. It's a really good film. I love One Hour Photo. What are we doing next week? You mean next time? Mr. 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 Busybody? Yeah, next time we're we're on the podcast. I don't know. Um, I wish we could... I I wish, you know, we could talk even more about this film. We could for a long time. Yeah. People respond and ask questions when I would like to have a nice discussion about... There you go. Existentialism. Yeah. Well, then, you know... It should be nice to have John on for this one. To yeah, go through his textbook of like. <laughs> but um, but no, I don't know. Um, I don't know what we'll do next time. We uh, might have. Should we get back to the horror realm for sure? For your why not? Bring it on's coming to Netflix, so we can watch that. That's that's a great horror film. <laughs> I don't know what else I got. I've got a bunch of stuff we could take. We could do, but at the same time, yeah, I don't know. Just taking a look at what I have here. You know, um, film we gotta watch, because I know you haven't seen it yet. When the remake comes out, is Magnificent Seven. Yeah. We're gonna have to watch... You know, we'll have to do, we'll have to do like, a three-parter. We'll have to do Seven Samurai. Oh, yeah. And Magnificent yeah. Seven. And then the remake. Hey, why not? We could do that. Have you seen Seven Samurai? I have not seen oh, Seven Samurai. Nope. You haven't seen Magnificent Seven. Kira Kurosawa. Oh, God. I didn't know they were remaking Magnificent Seven either until I saw like a trailer for it on Facebook the other day. It looks like it's going to be True Grit, probably, except not as 
good. Yeah, because True Grit was, wasn't bad. Not done by the Coen brothers. <laughs> well, I don't know what we're going to cover next week, but we'll, or next time, but we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Uh, in the meantime, you can uh, uh, hit us up on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash Podcast. Friendster. <laughs> Friendster. <laughs> uh, we are um, on Twitter. It's at Ryan, R-Y-N-E, T-M-I-A-D-W, and uh, I'll share it with Chris as well, because we don't have a spe- specified Blood and Black Rum Podcast Twitter. Um, we are on iTunes, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Search for us and subscribe. I know that uh, it's easier to download through iTunes and like kind of get the, the automatic updates for that, so check that out. We're also up on SoundCloud, which is where the podcast first posts to, so... Um, you can follow us there, but uh, just search for us on SoundCloud, and we'll, we'll, we'll magically pop up for you on the net. Um, noise makes. That's right. <laughs> that's the noise. You can email us uh, at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us all about your existential dilemmas, and we'll try to give you some pointers God, maybe, on that. Maybe we should review Evangelion next then. Ugh. No. The whole, the whole last no. two, whole last two episodes of nothing but. Everything's just in his mind. Do you remember when I watched it and uh, and uh, I was like, the fucking episodes just keep getting longer because like the last episodes are like probably like twenty eight to thirty minutes long. You probably watched the director's cut. Probably. I was like, because when I was I was watching it, I was like, I wasn't really enjoying it anyway, and I was like, they just keep fucking getting long. The episodes are fucking longer now. So I don't know how much I want to revisit that, but yes, you can. Uh, you can. Email us. Tell us about your existential dilemmas. If you're like Shinji and you need to tell us about all the, the stuff that you're sad about, let us know. Um, and then, and God, also tell us. What God, you, I love that ending so much. <laughs> and also tell us what you want us to uh, to talk about next time because we're always open for uh, we're always open for suggestions. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm one of the few people that don't mind hate the TV ending. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like the fact that at the end is like. Congratulations! I know. So, what does that mean? He doesn't accept instrumentation. That's one of the shows. See, that's like um, Ghost in the Shell. As much as I like Evangelion, it's like Ghost in the Shell premise filled with a lot of bullshit. Like, like, what does this all mean? Yeah. Like, 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 in, in Monsters of the Week. I know that's a lot of. I think something a lot of Evangelion fans probably can't accept. It's like it's Monster of the Week for half the show. Then once they ran out of a budget, it's like, guess we'll make good about yeah, drama. <laughs> but uh, other, I'll pull the Romero. <laughs> other than that, uh, anything else you got? I uh, just want to thank Conan O'Brien for that. Uh, yes, thank you, Conan O'Brien for, and Andy Richter for, for your, inspiring for our inspiring our little manga uh, shout out at the beginning <laughs> of the uh, episode. So, which that's uh, my DVD because that's what we watched on was a DVD, old ass DVD. Yes, of Ghost in the Shell it's, uh, was distributed by manga. Oh yes, yes it was. Yep. All right, so we will uh, catch you the next time we're on Blood and Black Rum podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will. Be back shortly. Remember to share. Share with your friends. Share it, share it, share it. If you listen, share. Because sharing is caring. And it is fun. And share is still alive, too. So. She might be the next one. She could be. (laughs)